Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Let's Break It Down. It's Lemmings, and it's J-Will, and today we're going to be talking about stage two. Whoa, 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 whoa. Flip that. <laughs> it's and actually like, stage three. That's like two in the jar, man. <laughs> yeah, that was a while back. That's in the books, man. It's old news. No, we're going to be recalling stage three, week number two. Jay will how you doing, my man? Doing pretty great. Pretty great. Can't uh, can't complain too much. Having fun. My dad's in town, so spent a little time with him today. Excellent, I'll excellent. Spent some time with him throughout the rest of the week, which unfortunately means I'll probably miss matches Thursday and Friday, but it is what it is. I can always go back and rewatch, which is the bonus part of that. So, uh, But other than that, no, dude, I'm doing pretty well. Not excited to drive into work tomorrow, but such is life. Such is the life of a family working man for sure. This is the Let's Break It Down podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. My guess is you already knew at least one of those because you're already listening to the show. Facts. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you like one of the other platforms, you can find us there as well. iHeartMedia has repeatedly rejected my attempts to gain entry, so... Get on the Let's Break It Down train, I heart. Exactly. So there's only those two for you. But if you're looking for another way to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Break It Down OWL. And if you have any feedback for the show that you didn't want to put in a publicly available review, you can email it to us, BreakItDownOWL at gmail.com. Before we break all the way into stage three, week two, Got it right that time. Yeah. Got a little bit of news to break on into, and Farah is going to intro for us. I've got you on my radar. First up, Kodak, a support player for the Atlanta Reign, has opted into the other half of his two-way contract, so he is stepping down from the Overwatch League and heading on back to the Atlanta Academy, the Atlanta Rain Academy team, or Overwatch Contenders team, excuse me. Not too much, honestly, for me on that one. It's just a, probably the right call by the player. You know, you, you want to play, and you've got to find a way onto some stage. If you want to find a way onto the Overwatch League stage, you can't keep sitting on a bench waiting for either somebody to quit or to start playing poorly. It just It's just not going to work that way. So probably in his best interest to, to go back, get into Contenders, and maybe end up on a different team. Maybe somebody sees something and they want to add them to their roster. But right now, he's not being seen. That's realistically the problem. A couple of notes for me in that in stage one, we had an awkward situation with Fusions, who was originally on a two-way contract, where his eligibility to play in the Overwatch League actually cost them a match, I think, against the Shanghai Dragons, which was the Dragons' first win ever in the Overwatch League. <laughs> And this, to me, indicates that they have completely corrected that situation. So there was a lot, there was a, a rush to get it fixed for Fusions. And actually, there was a, another, um, there was a Philadelphia Fusion support player that I can't remember off the top of my head, who was also on a two-way contract at the time. Kodak being able to step down back to the Overwatch contenders zone on the Atlanta Academy team indicates to me that they have fixed that, but it is an odd fix because... In the original two-way contract, you weren't able to play two... If you played two matches in the Overwatch League, then you were ineligible to return back down to the contenders. And what they were trying to do is prevent 
Overwatch League teams from calling up all their contender people, getting them some experience in Overwatch League, and then sending and then rushing back down to contenders and dominating contenders. And here we have Zen, uh, Kodak, who actually played almost all of Stage One for the Atlanta Reign, and then actually played a couple in Stage Two, heading back down to the Overwatch contender. So, however they fixed it, they they have allowed this or opened up eligibility for players to go back down to the Overwatch League or go back down to Overwatch contenders from League. The other note here basically is that Kodak started stage one and some of stage two playing Zenyatta and a little bit of Ana, and that is very clearly Dogman's spot. <laughs> and so I'm sure he's been sitting on the outside looking in and scrims and practices and things like that. And it's pretty obvious at this point they they didn't even try to bring him in towards the end of stage two, and obviously Dogman is the starter in stage three, and so I you know again like you mentioned just on the outside looking in and making a choice to go somewhere to play and see if you can't get a, a roster spot somewhere else. We also have Guardian, an off tank or a labeled off tank for the Shanghai Dragons being just released, which is an interesting move for the Shanghai Dragons in terms of why. <laughs> um, he was the only other tank player listed on their roster. Uh, kind of current starting roster being uh, Koma, Luffy, Gamsu, Ding, Diem, and Youngjin. Um, they've been playing, obviously, a lot of Sombra, so not a ton of room for an off-tank. I mean, Gaguri is the other off-tank listed on there. But uh, they're not playing a lot of off-tank they're playing a lot of Sombra, so I think just a player again looking looking at it, going, "I'm behind Gaguri, and they're not even using Diva, so I'm done." But <laughs> this is much. actually the Dragon saying, "We're done with you." Yeah, it's just kind of one of those situations where the the meta is not working in your favor, the way the team wants to play is not working in your favor, and thank God he was just released for for his sake at that point. I don't know if he caused a fuss or anything, but. At least he can go sign with somebody else and, again, try to find his way back onto a stage to try to work his way back into the league. And there's definitely some teams that could benefit from an off-tank being added onto the roster. Uh, Washington Justice come to mind as a team that could benefit a lot from a good off-tank. There you go. And so it would be interesting to see if they pursue that. But in the continuation of the Florida Mayhem mid-season every stage rebuild (laughs) (laughs) they're adding another player uh he's listed as a support flexible support his name is rain and he is now playing for the florida mayhem coming up from i believe was o2 blast i mean at this point florida just you know keep trying to figure something out yeah you're just (laughs) Just grasping at straws it feels like you're taking shots in the dark every now and then, but you're you're at least trying. You realize it's not great, and you've got to find something that works. So you're going to have to keep making some adjustments here and there until you find the pieces that work best together. Yeah, I don't. I just I don't know. I mean, this the Florida Mayhem are in disarray. Um, a lot of people was so funny. I actually didn't know this, but um, one of the owners of the Florida Mayhem actually posted a long time ago that they would never field an all Korean roster. Um, which is pretty funny because that's exactly the changes that they've made. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they've made. They've actually ditched every single one of their at the beginning of this stage to clean up roster spots. They actually ditched all their popular player Western players, um, but they had made it. Oh, they had already made a stage commitment in stage two to to switch over to completely Korean. So mm-hmm. 
Ben Swoont, I think. You can look him up on Twitter. He he posted it. Okay. So a lot of people calling out the hypocrisy there. <laughs> Enough about player additions and subtractions. Jay Will, let's talk about week number two. Let's try that again. Week number two would kick off with, in my opinion, a almost even bigger shock than Seoul taking down the New York Excelsior in round one of the stage one playoffs. I don't even think it's an argument. Easily the upset of the year right now. Right now, as it stands, absolute bar none upset of this season for me. And that is going to be on Thursday, June the 13th. A day that would live in the hearts of Overwatch leaguers everywhere. The Houston Outlaws take down the golden stage San Francisco Shock 3-2. to two. What just happened? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know what to say, honestly, about it. I have a few things, obviously, of note, and I think I'm going to hit on those as we get further in the episode. But as just a quick kind of like, hey, this happened. Uh, <laughs> just wow. Uh, what a complete turnaround. You're talking about a team that uh, going back to stage one, I think had lost either nine or ten straight when you include um, stage two plus week one of stage three a team that was searching just completely searching for answers throughout stage two had none and 28 no that's all you have to say stage two champs like this was not a matchup for anybody this was look at it and laugh like all right on to the next one and boy were we all proven wrong and as houston fans i know you and i are ecstatic i uh i wore my my jersey the rest of the weekend essentially (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was like, no, dude, I'm I'm owning this one. I don't care if we're not making the season playoffs. I don't even care if we don't win another match. I'm wearing this because that happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, finally, signs of life. And honestly, without really doing much of anything that I've suggested <laughs> or that we've suggested other than finding something that's working and in this case, kind of sticking to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's been an argument for for us against them for the longest time which is you find something you experience a little bit of success and then you overthink yourself and you try and switch it up in this case they finally they found a little bit of success in week one it wasn't quite enough to get them over but it was new york excelsior and so here we go in week two and we're kicking it off and we leave linkser in at zarya and i think that's going to be the key that you're talking about later so i won't get into it too much but you found something that worked and it worked really well and I also think that the meta potentially in stage three is shifting a little bit away from what San Francisco Shock used to clean the clean the stage in stage two um, and a little bit into to Houston's hand. Uh, having one of the best Sombra players from season one on your roster is going to help you in a meta where Sombra is starting to experience a lot of playtime and is is being used to great success to start to crack this this 3-3, which is something that I'll talk about a little bit later. So, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I got the slides we- on. I got my team <laughs> on. I don't know if I'm fully bought back in. I want to see how they do in the remainder of this stage. They have a stage that sets them up 
in this case, for a playoff run in Stage 3 and ultimately, hopefully, a, a playoff run on the season if they can kind of recover from that the dismal Stage 2 to performance. But if they can clean up here and, and look pretty good or even just remain competitive and they don't start overthinking things and getting crazy and switching stuff up, then I think I can get back on board. Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely beginning to sway me uh, back on back on board with them. I just again, that's it's tough because we've seen some some disappointment, uh, lots of it to be perfectly honest. So yeah, we want to see some sustained success. And it, you said it, stage three playoffs are right there in front of them. I think their schedule lines up extremely nice for them to make the stage playoffs. And if they can handle some business in this stage, they can put themselves right back in the thick of things to get into that seven to twelve range and have a chance come season playoff time. It, it it's there. The opportunity is there. It's just a question of, are they going to live up to, to what I believe is their full potential? Cautiously optimistic. Enough about those guys. Let's move on. We had the Shanghai dragons taking on the Atlanta rain. And in another absolute, I mean, just really cool match. This was a lot of fun to watch. You should definitely watch it. If you get the opportunity, if you haven't already, but it's the Shanghai dragons ended up, Three to two over the Atlanta rain in this case. Atlanta, my goodness, three strong matches for you out the gate of stage three, and you can complete none of them. I know. I feel bad for them because that, that's that's mentally defeating for a lot of teams. Um, and I think we're going to see that as we get through the rest of this recap here. But they had their opportunities again, and they couldn't close the door on Shanghai. I personally think they were outplaying them. I really do. I think they outplayed them all the way up until they couldn't close the door. So I was just quickly, quickly going back and looking at how the the matches kind of unfold. I was trying to remember how this goes. Because if I remembered from some of the Atlanta, they, it seems like they get down and then they fight back and then they just can't seem to seal the deal. Um, and, and in this case, they actually kind of came out. Shanghai answered. Then Atlanta went back, and then again, they just couldn't seal the deal in the end. So, yeah, just one of those things where absolutely mentally defeating uh, in some cases, and it's just not looking good for the Atlanta Reign at this point in in Stage 3, a team that I had higher hopes for, and as we even mentioned in the last episode, we're looking better uh, having more fully integrated uh, Baby Bay into that roster. But again, just... You know, if you want to be in that top echelon, if you want to be at least in tier two, then you have to be able to close out a match. And I mean, that was the argument against San Francisco Shock in stage one. And that's absolutely the argument I'm going to continue to use here in Atlanta Rain to keep them suppressed in the power rankings and things. If you want to to get up into that bubble team contention, if you want to be in that tier two or even, you know, upper tier three, then you then you have to be able to close them out. I mean, Shanghai Dragons aren't exactly... You know, they're not Hangzhou, they're not London, they're not Vancouver. Um, so you have to be able to finish it, and they just can't. Yeah, you've got to be able to win win matches against these teams when the opportunity is there for you to do so. Yeah. I, You know, if you had lost the first two maps and you're just trying to battle back, that's understandable. But when you're in control of some matches and you have chances to close out maps and either get a 3-0 or, you know, a 3-1, whatever it may be, you, you got to do it if you want to be considered in that tier. And in looking at the remainder of their of their schedule as well, I mean these they had to win something up front here. So they opened up Shock Titans Dragons, and they're and they're going to get Dynasty in the, in the second half of this week, which we'll talk about. 
then you get fusion defiant and mayhem which are winnable so if you had just been if you had just you know maybe kind of you know spoiler alert if you had just been able to clean one of these and arguably i think this was the one that you could have done you could have ended up in that four three range and if and you've been competitive so your map differential wouldn't have been bad but now in this case i think you're kind of staring down well you are staring down four losses and i i mean you'll be you you have a great shot at two you know the defiant and the mayhem um and fusion's kind of the toss-up but i think at this point having four losses you're kind of already out <laughs> yeah four four losses is going to do you in that's the end of the story all right that's a lot about those guys we're we're pretty far into the episode and we haven't <laughs> even cleaned cleaned day one but anyways a lot of great matches this week so it's hard to condense it down into into a quick into a quick hour or less <laughs> that's fair uh but we would have the chungdu hunters finding finding a little bit of way to rebound here um and and coming back three three one against the Dallas Fuel, classic Chengdu. Finally, the the experiment ended in week one. Yay. Like praise <laughs> the Lord, they came out, they did their DPS lineups. Dallas had zero answer for it, absolutely none. They tried, they tried to switch compositions, they tried to essentially mirror DPS lineups. Yeah, and and it just wasn't working for them. This was a terrible matchup for Dallas, as far as I can could tell when they had to battle it out. And Chengdu took full advantage of it. Uh, they're going to see each other again in this stage. And it's going to be another interesting battle to see what Dallas learned from this one. But Chengdu, stick to what you do best. It works. You can beat some of the better teams. And these these better teams, for the most part, are just not ready for it because they don't see it very often. So please, Chengdu, don't don't go back to 3-3, please. Well, and, and this is another team. I mean, this is going to come back to haunt Dallas big time. And, and we've talked about Dallas doing doing this. Um, not being able to handle some of the matches that they absolutely have to handle throughout the week. Um, so they have the the early loss to the Gladiators. They lose here to the Hunters. They lose here to the Titans. And they're going to see Hunters again and Spark again and New York Excelsior. So in a way, you know, this one potentially pretty much sealed the deal for the Dallas Fuel on being able to make it into that playoff run. Now, if they all of a sudden turned around and start looking like that playoff team that we experienced last stage, then potentially dealing with the hunters and dealing with the spark they have a chance uh but then you have the the new york excelsior on the way out um so they're not out yet for sure but that's a that's a daunting schedule to look at especially with the quality of match play that we've seen from dallas so far Mm -hmm. speaking of the hung joe spark they were going to take on the vancouver titans to clean out thursday the 13th not able to do that <laughs> not able to get the victory vancouver is going to win this one three to one this this one's gonna gonna haunt hongjo for a while and not because they lost but because they had this map four in the bag and they blew it they flat out blew it they should have forced the map five and had a chance to beat vancouver because they were in control of the the one map they did win, I can't even remember which one it was. It was one of the first two, um, either Control Point or Assault. And then Vancouver obviously won the next three. But map four, the Escort map, was firmly Hangzhou's to win, and they let it slip away. I, Vancouver didn't even really do anything that special. It was like Hangzhou just choked it out. They were like, oh, we've got this. And then it got into the moment, and they just they they tightened up, and they couldn't, couldn't seal the deal. I, I felt bad for them. They should have forced the map five and had a chance to actually – hand Vancouver their first loss in the season, but 
Vancouver finds a way, another way to win. They just keep doing what they do. And it's going to be a while folks before we see them lose a match in the in stage play. So this was also an interesting map number four. So it was going to be Havana and Vancouver was only able to take one point. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, like you said, Hangzhou, it wasn't even one point, dude. They didn't even cap the first point. They got around like the second turn basically. So you have that long, you know, hill that you go up, you turn left and you turn right to head in towards the uh, indoor warehouse. And they, they made the right hand turn and kind of just got stuck there. And it should have been an easy win for Hangzhou. Um, I want to say it was whoever was playing Sombra, I think was trying to put a translocator down so they could EMP and forgot that they already had one down. So they ended up translocating far away from the team oh, and okay. couldn't get back. I, I want to say that's what happened in this matchup, if I remember correctly, um, as to why Hangzhou. But I mean, it was a complete choke job. They should have had it easily. Not the first time we've seen a Sombra choke. Not necessarily from the Hangzhou Spark, but just the player, the character. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's breaking on into Friday, the 14th. And that was going to be kicking off with Paris Eternal taking on the New York Excelsior. This is an exciting, well, this match got set up to be more exciting by Paris coming out strong in week one uh, against Toronto and Boston. And so it was, you know, kind of a prove it match for Paris saying, you know, Hey, you know, what can you do against one of those upper echelon teams, Toronto and Boston struggling mightily, you know, through stage two, Boston coming out weak and or not coming out very strong, certainly in stage three. And I, I, I think, I think they showed that they are competitive. I mean, so Nixel wins three to one. Paris is able to take one off them, but but also during the match, just kind of was able to look competitive. Like they're, I mean, essentially this is kind of a a, a new a quote unquote new roster in stage three. Uh, LH Cloudy being out, Danier being in permanently, no shadow burn rotations, those kinds of things. So looking competitive as a roster that's you know kind of coming together here. Much, much improved as far as Paris goes. And they didn't look bad against New York, to be perfectly honest. New York just looked, again, more like New York. And Saviolbi being the, the main difference there for them. They're they're fitting into the, the new meadow with a little more somber play and a little more DPS play uh, throughout the league, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I'm not broken up about <laughs> for Paris, you know, for losing this match. Yeah, uh, I'm actually really excited. They came out on May, honestly, uh, on map one. Uh, the first round of map one, to be perfectly honest, it was really quite funny to watch because, you know, teams just don't run May hardly at all. And New York had like zero answer for it. Obviously, uh, they ended up winning the match. They ended up losing that map overall, though. So kudos to Paris for having a little something up their sleeve to throw at New York. But New York just easily the better team in this situation. So, yeah. So reason for hope if you're an internal fan and if you're New York Excelsior business as usual and we're moving on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And we move on to London taking down the Toronto Defiant 3-1. London again coming out, handling their business again, just quietly doing what they need to do it to stay alive, to stay in the stage playoffs and into the seasonal playoffs on their marathon, not a sprint uh, mindset. And Toronto Defiant, again, just looking like a team that is still attempting to figure it out, which is odd in Stage 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got nothing for Toronto. I just... Yeah. 
I don't know what their plan is right now. They changed main tanks. They look just bad. Um, honestly, London should probably be upset they've dropped the map. Yep. Yes, yes. And that would move us into a match where they did not drop a map. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Fusions dropped his fist on the desk. He did. Uh, he was not <laughs> happy at the conclusion of this one. So that was going to be the Houston Outlaws taking down the Boston Uprising 4-0. to zero. And this wasn't even close. You want no, to talk about what so. I've been waiting to see <laughs> from Houston. This was a dominating performance over a team last stage they would have easily lost to. Mm-hmm. And in stage one, they probably would have lost to then. I, they might have. I can't even remember if they played in uh, stage one. I'll search you cover. Yeah. And at any rate, uh, this is what they've done. They, they've figured out what six-man rotation they want to go with. They, they leave Linkser in. They run Dante on Sombra. And they wreck. And at least they did in this match. Uh, coming off the upset of San Francisco, you're kind of like, okay, what are they going to do as an encore? Are they going to prove that that was not necessarily a fluke? Or are they going to go back to being the Houston that we have known and not really loved for a while now? And they came out, made a statement, and said, this is who we are now. We can compete. We can win. And they've got a little momentum going. You can see it on their faces. You can see them being a little uplifted, a little more upbeat as they play and, and communicate with one another. It has nothing to do with how they're playing at the time. It's just like they know that stage two is not a reflection of who they actually are. And they clearly figured something out over the break. And I am so thrilled as a fan to see it. Finally, we can watch matches and enjoy them. We, we've stuck with you through a rough stage. We're here for you. We want you to keep going. Please, for the love of God, give me a reason to buy more stuff. <laughs> So they did see the Boston Uprising in stage one, week one, and Uprising took that match 3-2. There you go. So, so you a know. A bit of revenge. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with everything Jay Will said. This was not a close match. Uh, and it's, I mean, that should be pretty evident by the fact that Fusions, you know. And I don't want to, I don't want to put too much on that. I think too much was made of Jake slamming his fist on, on uh, the New York Excelsior match on the first stage. And, I I like when players get emotional. I you know Jake Fusions. I mean, every, some of these guys in this league are ultra competitive. You have to be ultra competitive to even you know kind of make it into this league. So I can understand where be you know losing a match that you felt like you had a chance or you should have been able to win is going to cause you to go off. And, and and to be honest with you, if I'm a team, I want players to show emotion to be upset at at a match that didn't go the way that they thought. And in this case, kind of a dominating opposite, <laughs> not the way they thought in a very, very bad way. Um, so, you know, I, I actually, you know, I'm okay with fusions doing that, but that's just, that just shows how much they were not in this match. <laughs> um, right. You, you just, you don't do that. You, you know, if you were close three, three, one, three, two, and, you know, oh, like one or two fights could have gone a different way if we just cleaned up with this mistake or that mistake. You're not slamming your fist down. If nothing is going your way, that's when you're kind of like, dudes, guys, come up. Like, what are we doing here? So, uh, yeah, good on, good on Houston. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> Pretty much. Thank you, guys. Keep going. Uh, again, you know, remaining cautiously optimistic, trusting, trusting in the recent success, but wanting more verification in the future that this is, this is the upwards trajectory of the team and we're not going to muck it up. Please. And thank you. 
Closing out Friday was going to be the Los Angeles Gladiators taking down a struggling Philadelphia Fusion 3-1. to uh, Yeah, definitely struggling is the best word to describe Philadelphia. Uh, they got they got map five, four, excuse me, so they at least didn't get shut out again, which was good to see. And, yeah. you know, hopefully that, that gets them pointed in the right direction going forward. Maybe they regain their footing because they're – they're firmly flat on their tail right now and just getting run over by people with no answers in sight. Um, the Gladiators continue to look like the the top five team that we both believe they are, or at least top six. I can't remember exactly what we have them at. Um, so kudos to them. The, they keep showing strong play behind Decay, behind Roar. Big Goose is just does Big Goose things, and it's fun to watch. So that roster is coming together nicely. They've just... They've got to find a way to take, again, that next step we keep talking about where, where you have San Francisco and Vancouver. We need these these next three to four teams behind them to find a way to take that next step to be competitive against Vancouver and San Francisco. And then after you've learned to be competitive and push them to Brinks, now you got to learn how to beat them. So it, it's all a process, but we, we're hoping that more teams can join that level mm-hmm. sooner rather than later, especially as we get closer to the season playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gets old for the league, too. I mean, if you're just sitting there going, oh, yeah, one, two is just always Vancouver and San Francisco, and there's no questions about it, then it kind of makes it, it doesn't engender, you know, or it doesn't engender, excuse me, you know, good conversation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a chance that this this person's number two, one or two, and it's like, no. 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 <laughs> it's just not even close. <laughs> it's, it's Vancouver and San Francisco, and then, and then a big everybody gap, else. and then everybody else. Everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, taking it into Saturday is a match that I think Hangzhou, in a way, is going to regret a little bit. But they ended up handling their business against the Washington Justice. But they did it three to zero, and we kind of talked about the Hangzhou Spark have a have a pretty tough schedule on the way out. I think there's a good chance that that even, and I know it's just one map, but it it could cost them. It could cost them. I don't think it's going to cost them a stage playoff berth at the moment, but you're talking seeding. That's where it's come, it comes back to bite you because map differential does matter. You right. don't want to even draw maps against teams like Florida or Washington uh, or a struggling Boston right now. So they probably aren't overly happy about that, but they continue their strong level of play, and they're, they're, they're going to be fine. It's just a question of how does that affect their seeding long term because right now they need the map differential. I think I looked at it the other day and they're like a miserable, like minus three or even maybe zero. I don't remember. It's somewhere in that range and that's on the season. And they're sitting at like somewhere between eight and six. I can't remember exactly where off the top of my head, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that comes back to bite you because there are teams with positive math differentials that have a, a worse record right now. And you know, they start winning. Here comes a flip of the standings. You've, you've got to make up for it. So you need the four O's when the opportunity presents itself. For sure. And Hangzhou should understand the benefits of, of being seeded well or, or having a decent seed because they, they were obviously able to capitalize on a good seeded matchup against London in the, in the stage uh, two playoffs in the first quarterfinals there. So, yeah, you got to handle your business on a map, on a, on a match where you can. And you, you drop in that one map again, I, you know, they have a tough schedule on the way out. So, that ultimately could come back to bite them in terms of if they actually are able to make it in the end, um, a seeding difference. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Atlanta kind of building up a little bit of, of what I'm going to refer to as kind of technical debt here <laughs> for any agile people out there. Um, building up that, that inability, as we kind of talked about that mentally wearing down people on the inability to close out a match. 
you know, fighting matches, fighting matches, getting those two matches, you know, getting those two maps within a match, but just not being able to seal it out to close, close it out. And, uh, potentially a little bit of a catch up here. Um, soul dynasty taking them down four to zero. Yeah. Soul looking pretty strong this stage. I think they've got actually got a pretty good schedule to close out the rest of the stage as well. So they're in a good spot. But they look strong, regardless of which six-man roster they decide to throw out. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you never know which team you're going to get on a given week or a given match even. But they looked pretty good in this one, and they needed it with uh, the matchup they had coming on Sunday. Up next was going to be the Dallas Fuel in a Stage 2 playoff rematch against the Vancouver Titans. And if you were betting that this was going to go any different, you were wrong. <laughs> Um, this is going to be the Vancouver Titans again, handling the business four to zero in, in my opinion, kind of shuttering Dallas's playoff hopes, um, for stage three and kind of leaving them looking for, hopefully starting to look in stage three for, you know, what, how do we, how do we pivot this roster a little bit and get back to what we know and, and actually start finding that success? And do we need to make any moves? They're going to have to do something. This was a romp. Not that it's unusual for Vancouver to be associated with a romp, but... Well, they always have Dallas, their little one-loss cheese at the end, right? <laughs> right, right. They, they somehow find a way to lose a map usually to somebody. <laughs> but Dallas, it's it's more or less how Dallas looked, and Dallas does not look good right now. They need to, to find themselves again after the All-Star break because it hasn't been the same team since the end of the Stage 2 playoffs. For sure, and closing out Saturday is going to be the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. Is this again? No, no, that was Chengdu, excuse me, in, in week one there. Yeah. Uh, Guangzhou, you know, you got to be coming into this looking to see what Guangzhou actually is. We had a, a pretty good stage one from them, a dismal stage two. They come out in stage three beating Chengdu. So you're like, okay, maybe we're we're getting back to where we think that this roster could be. Uh, and then smashing up against those, against the Valiant and losing that match three to one. Yeah, I think this has a lot to do with the Valiant. To be perfectly honest, they're starting to look a lot stronger as we go along, and they're set up fairly decently to compete for a stage playoff berth right now. I don't know their remaining schedule, but they're sitting, I believe, at two and one somewhere in there, um, and a decent map differential. And you know, you get the you get other matches to break the right way. Four and three might do it for you. So they're in a good spot right now. Uh, I think they're going to be right there, and they're steadily improving. They're still making some, some more or less egregious mistakes with their their play, but they're finally winning matches against teams that they should win, and looking better slowly but surely in each one of them. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough road to the playoffs for them. So they'll have another another matchup with the Dragons, which if they really want to stay in it, they absolutely have to close out. Um, that was their loss in Week One as well. But they're going to see Titans, Spark, and Spitfire on the way out of Stage 3. Yeah. I think with their level of play, though, they can try to find a way to pick off at least one of those and, you know, give themselves some hope, you know, in the long run. But they're right there right now. So that's the important part. You gave yourself a chance going into those. You just have to find a way to win one of those or two of those realistically. For sure. That takes us to our match of the week. I'm going to have to get a good sound drop for that if it's going to continue. Yeah. But the league flexed us into the San Francisco Shock, taking on the Seoul Dynasty. Brief brief aside here, I want to take maybe three minutes on this, but it, it occurred to me in this match, and I don't know why it was this match in particular, that next year, 
teams are going to have to go to Seoul on home field advantage. Yeah, best of luck. Have fun with that. And I mean, you know, if you're an esports follower, if you're an avid esports person, I mean, Seoul has been packing out esports arenas for for some time now. <laughs> um, and I, I just for some reason it hit me in this matchup that I was like, that is going to be an extremely unfavorable home field advantage for anyone trying to play Seoul in that in that in some whatever home field arena that they put that in. I can only hope that most of the teams are already Southeast Asia teams that are set up for that that homestand. But uh, God bless you if any of the United States-based teams or North American in general-based teams have to go there. Yeah, I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, anyways, uh, this would not be too much of a matchup. We had the San Francisco Shock rebounding from the Houston loss a little bit. So you have, if you had too many questions about their mental capacity to withstand the loss, uh, I think they should be pretty squarely answered handing Seoul their first loss of stage three, although they've had not exactly the hardest schedule walking into this, but it was going to be the shock taking it 4-0. Sometimes you need a wake-up call, and they had a scare in week one, but clearly it wasn't enough because week two they got the wake-up call, and I think the message was received loud and clear. It'll remain to be seen as we go into weeks three and four, but based on the 4-0 of a very quality Seoul team, I'd say they received the message pretty pretty well. And that takes us into Paris, taking down the Florida Mayhem 3-1. to one. Again, probably just upset that you didn't get the 4-0. <laughs> you you got to be, if you're Paris and you're playing better, you're right there for the stage playoffs again. You're sitting in a good spot right now with a couple weeks remaining. You got to get the map differential up to give yourself the best opportunity when you're playing one of the worst teams. You must take care of business. Yeah, and Paris suffered from this in stage one, although it wasn't ultimately their map differential that cost them. They 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 blew a couple matches that they really needed to get in and handle their business against some some lower echelon teams. But yeah, I mean, this is something where you're going to be probably one of those bubble teams coming into it, and so you're really going to need that map differential to be as strong as possible. So dropping one to Florida is not going to help you there. Taking us to, I don't know that I ever thought I'd be saying that about both of these teams, but kind of a battle at the bottom, Philadelphia taking on the Boston uprising and not a great match. (laughs) Um, So it ends up being two to one uh, Philadelphia taking it, but both you know for me personally quality in the match just reflective of where both of these teams are right now pretty much both were over going into this match luckily one of them's no longer over i will admit this for as bad as philly has looked i thought they looked much improved in the last couple of maps against boston so maybe they get this thing righted going into the last three weeks here of stage three and into stage four but they've got a lot of ground to make up and they better make it up fast if they don't want to fall too far out of that playoff season long playoff race, which is where they're, they're hurting the most right now with how they've been playing lately. And finishing out Sunday, we had Los Angeles gladiators handling their business against the Washington justice. Uh, Not much to say here. It's reflective of where both of these teams are. Los Angeles gladiators making that push to be in the, the upper, the upper parts of that tier two. And Washington Justice still searching to to find those good rosters and and actually put put a match together that that looks competitive. 
Yeah, more or less when Washington is playing some of these better teams, this is kind of how it goes. The better teams handle what they're supposed to do very well. They usually get the 4-0, but Washington shows some improved play, just an inability to truly compete with those level of teams. But when you see them play some of the mid-tier, lower mid-tier teams, they usually find ways to be much more competitive. So yeah. nothing against Washington. The Gladiators doing what they're they're supposed to do. Washington still needs a few more pieces, but we've said it before. We'll keep saying it. They're on the right track as of right now. I don't think they're necessarily playing for this year, which is fine. We've seen it work for other teams. Question is, will it work for them? Yeah, I almost wonder if at this point you stop looking to make you know mid-stage or mid-season ads and you start kind of looking into the contender squads and things like that and kind of we're on to season three. <laughs> yeah, if, if anything, we know they're working behind the scenes because they keep everything pretty well under wraps and then sometimes news just drops and there it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not like they're not trying. So I I can appreciate that from the Washington Justice. And realistically, in a way, I can appreciate that from the Florida Mayhem. I mean, they're they're trying. They're bringing in players. They're trying to find something. But at, at some point, you're just rotating so many. You know, we talk about when a team gets behind you know, on alt economy in the game, how difficult it is for them to come back. Um and you know, at, at some point you you just have so much debt of rotating these players in and out that it's going to be hard at some point to even allow a, a team or a roster to come together and actually be competitive. I mean, we saw it take the Atlanta Reign all of Stage Two and and or you know in Stage Three having some success to even bake in Baby Bay, and then you talk about Florida Mayhem and Washington Justice essentially turning over whole rosters in a way. Um, Justice not so much, but Florida completely overhauling the roster and Justice bringing in several pieces and at some point you kind of as we've talked about you have to lock something in and just and and hope that it's ultimately successful or you're just never going to experience the full potential of whatever roster you've put together well much more success in week two for me a smidge more success for you (laughs) yeah smidge more smidge more a skosh, if you will. <laughs> uh, Thirteen and three for both of us. So improvement, you know, on 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 my part, and a little bit of improvement on Jay Will's part as well. Um, pretty pretty happy with those results. I mean, I'm I mean I'm I'm never gonna feel bad about having picked San Francisco to take out Houston and being wrong about that. There's no <laughs> way we could have gotten everything else right and gotten that one wrong. Been fifteen and one, and not even not even remotely have been upset about it. Like yeah. There was no way we were picking Houston in that matchup. No way, no way. Um, and I lose an, an Atlanta pick, and you lose a Boston pick against against Houston there. So I, I was impressed you went with them. I I'm not t- taking a shot at you for taking them. I was with you. Boston looked terrible, and I just it was one of those I've been burned by Houston too many times. Yeah, yeah no, hey, I'm gonna feel you. It's when you're penciling that one in, the sweat bullets are hitting are hitting the page for sure. <laughs> All right, so let's break into some reactions. We got some good ones here, and I'm I'm going to intro this one, and I th- I think you're you're passionate about it for sure. I mean, we both are, but but I want you to to run with it, and that is is did anyone any anyone out there believe that it would be Houston to take down the San Francisco Shock? I can't imagine it. Obviously, you're not imagining Florida or Washington either, but coming out of stage two where one team went 28-0 on maps, won the stage, and the other was 0-7, didn't even really look competitive in those seven matches. Like, you had – there's just no way. Like, I I had no clue this was even possible for them based on how they had been playing. Again, I will admit, 
I thought they looked much improved against New York, but I was like, okay, it's coming out of the break. You know, everybody's just kind of getting back into their thing. You're still just whatever. It, sometimes a layoff does that to top tier teams. So I, I try not to read too much into that, but then to come back the following week and do the same thing to San Francisco and, and win and not only win, but Jake said this live as he got interviewed after the game, they did something in map five that they've never done before. <laughs> they were like, we've never practiced it. We just said, this is our best lineup. We have to stick with it. We have to make it work. That was essentially his, that was essentially his message. And for <laughs> the love of God, finally, finally, you got the memo, you know, whatever you did over the break made a difference. I'll admit that because Linkser has looked so much better on Zarya. He is going to give them more flexibility if he can play Zarya because then they can go into DPS comps. But not only that, they don't have to play Spree, who's kind of locked in on Zarya. They can flex around that, but also they can play Dante on the Sombra, which is what they want to and likely need to do. Yes, the meta has slightly shifted towards Sombra being a, a superior choice for, for rosters. It's allowing people to put their DPS players back in the game and let them do what they do best, which is be phenomenal players. <laughs> um, but they've, they've said, this is our best six man, and here it goes. Rockus, Boink, Jake, Muma, Linkser, Dante, with the occasional substitution of saying, we're going to go full 3-3 on you and play cool mat. And not only does that mean that we can play full 3-3 if necessary, but we can leave cool mat on D.Va and go to some DPS comps as well, because guess what? Links are still in the game. That right. is the biggest difference maker, I think, for them. Not having to put links are in and out and being completely predictable with what they're about to come at you with. And a special shout out to Dante. I don't, if you want to find me a better somber player in the league, please, I'll take any, anybody who wants to offer up a name. I'm picking Dante first on Sombra. That's just the way it's going to go for me, but he's, he's easily a top five somber in the league. It's not even close. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this was the argument that I made for Houston being, what did I put him at? Like four in my early power. <laughs> was just that they have a talented roster and it was very evident where their gap was from season one. And then you go and you get the best possible player to fill that gap. And so to me, it felt like you have the talent already there at tank. You have the talent there at support. I think a lot of people question Rockus's Zenyatta, but I think at the end of the day, he's a, he's a high quality Zenyatta. Is he as flashy as a Jayhan or a Jonak? No, maybe not so much, but he's there when you need him to be. And he's got transcendence when you need him to have transcendence. And I mean, what more can you ask from a Zenyatta player? So this is this is where I felt like, you know, what you said about Dante is like he's he's this great addition in the offseason because he fills this gap that Houston really had. And that's what I felt like that's why these guys were could have be could be so talented and could be up there. And they just knocked off a team, granted maybe not playing at the peak of their ability, San Francisco, but they knocked off what we consider to be, you know, basically the unanimous one or two. And and so if they can do that, why couldn't they be a top four team at the end of the day? And we might ultimately still see that. But, you know, again, it remains to be seen whether or not they're going to stick with this lineup. They're not going to overthink themselves and they're going to leave these guys in and let them do what they do best. So, again, just... You know, it's that's this is the tough part about being a Houston fan is you're seeing this, you're seeing the success, you're looking at stage three and you're like, man, you know, five and two is on the table for these guys. They just got to clean up their way out. But the hard part about being a Houston fan is like, dude, we're going to do something silly. We're going to like take Linkser out and put him back on Brigida or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and just, yeah. 
you you're know, waiting for the rug to be pulled out from underneath you you know put jake in a junk rat and just i don't know you just you just uh, you're just like you want so bad to just dive in head first but you're just sticking your toe in going okay this is nice this, this is nice <laughs> yeah let's let's just enjoy this while it lasts because yeah I, I, based on their schedule, I think Paris is their toughest remaining matchup, and that's sure. coming up this week. If they find a way to win that, I don't think six and one's out the out of the realm of possibilities for them. Like they could win out the rest of the stage after losing the what was it NYXL in week one. Yeah. So I mean that that would be a huge thing for them because that essentially erases the zero and seven. You you go one game under five hundred in between stages uh two and three you were one game under 500 in stage one so now you're two under 500 on the season going into stage four you know seven to twelve is right there right there for the taking because i think you know two maybe three games over 500 is going to be in that range so you just have to have a quality stage four to finish out so this is this is going to be a huge stretch for them if they can find a way to beat paris they're they're going to erase a lot of bad stage two memories and set themselves up for a chance to make this the season playoffs. And then from there, all bets are off. It's just, you know, winner take all. And so, you know, looking at stage four, you've got eternal gladiators, fusion rain, spitfire justice and hunters in there. I, I mean, there's absolutely some winnable matches. I mean, stage four trajectories for teams can be completely different. You're looking at gladiators and spitfire being, pretty strong you know you don't know but eternal fusion rain justice hunters that's four matches right there yeah you're talking four and three right now with four winnable matches and you find a way to pick off anybody else you're sitting at five and two right you know it's just two five and two state i mean ten and four i mean i'll take that to close out close out the stage for sure and that should keep you that should make you a really strong contender in the seasonal playoffs yep all right, I want to break into something that I think I'm that we're seeing. No, I don't think. I mean, it's pretty obvious that we are starting to see the cracks in the Rhine three three armor, um, which is odd because the patch that we're playing on arguably didn't change a lot, and the one character that it did change pretty significantly is Junkrat, which upped his speed on his things, and we're not even really seeing him that much, right? Um, so I think what this is, the lengthy break uh, afforded the teams the opportunity to truly start to see how to capitalize on the changes that were made for the stage two patch. So I think stage two patch came out what, I mean, they they implied it to the Overwatch League, what, a week before, or it was, it was last, it was like two days. Yeah. Yeah. It was like two or three days before the stage two was about to start. So nobody really had time to play on it. So, right. You're so right. I think you I mean, just came into stage two with the plan that you had in place, right? You know, yes. Continuing to run the three three, maybe we saw a little bit more bunker in some cases because for certain maps it just made more sense, right? You know, Paris, uh, Hanamura, yeah. Uh, point one, you know, bunker just makes a lot more sense in some cases. But what I think this is are the teams that you know had that opportunity to finally take you know take a breath and go, okay, look. A lot of changes were made to try to break down 3-3. How do we capitalize on some of them? And, you know, arguably Winston 3-3 looked a lot stronger against the Ryan 3-3, but ultimately Ryan wins that battle. I haven't seen Winston 3-3 beat Ryan 3-3 consistently. Um, and this is an argument that Jay Will and I actually had. Um, I believe it was on the podcast. It might have been via Slack. I think, I think <laughs> but it was via Slack. We went back and forth with it. it we haven't mostly really talked via about Slack. it here. Um, but I, I was of the contention even in stage two that Sombra wins. Sombra just just wins. And 
um, it comes down to a couple of things, right? And and three three in a large way is about who can charge the ultimates the quickest and the fastest. Because you know, once you have the more ultimates, theoretically, you're the more favored team to win. And by and large, that that remains to be true. Sombra, as an individual character, is capable of charging her ultimate extremely quickly, not reliant on whether or not the, the rest of the team is being successful. So you can have failed eco pushes where Sombra comes out on top because she's got the ultimate. And for me, Sombra like just nets you a victory. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, all things being equal at the end of the day, if you have a Sombra and you get a five or six man EMP. It's just a lost fight for the other team because five or six man means you have no capability to to resist whatever is about to come. You have no shields. You have no ultimate. You have no resources, no armor pack, no sound barrier, no transcendence. Reinhardt can't put up a shield. So, I mean, what, what can you possibly do against anything? Um, and, and so I think we're starting to see that the, the capitalization on, on that. That's probably not the right way to the capitalization. <laughs> All caps Sombra. <laughs> um, but we're starting to see teams capitalize on that. Maybe that's a better way of phrasing that. Uh, and, and and also what that allows you to do with Sombra or with a player, with a DPS player that, that plays Sombra or what we've seen Houston do, which is be able to adjust even their entire roster into getting a DPS player in there that's flexible. And so now you have, you know, in most cases, a Sombra Tracer because those skills are pretty translated. And then we've just seen seen rosters rework. I mean, I think we're seeing, we've seen more DPS lineups in Stage 3 than I can think of in Stage 1 or 2. Uh, we've seen more teams come out running running Pharahs, running Sombras, running Tracers, and, and, and those types of lineups. So... Anyways, you know, I, I just I just think we're in a good meta where that Reinhardt default three three is is being cracked, and I think the evidence of that is Vancouver has looked fallible so far. I mean, they're they're closing out their matches and winning as we expect them to do, but it's not in like the completely and totally dominant fashion that we've experienced. And Boston, who was kind of a one trick pony on the Reinhardt three three, looks absolutely lost. They do look absolutely lost and they're denying that. I, the best thing I can say is that while I, I agree with you that the meta is shifting, I think it has a ton to do with the lengthier break and teams being able to play on the new patches and try to figure things out. But I think it has a lot to do with teams being willing to try something new and finally saying, you know, why do we keep pounding our head into the wall when it's not working against the teams that are the best at the 3-3? Three, three? And while, yes, Vancouver has looked, you know, slightly fallible. And while even they're experimenting with Sombra some, I still have my my reservations about this being a winning solution to beating Vancouver or San Francisco long term. It remains to be seen. So we'll have to let more matches play out and just see what happens. But until they both convert into full-time Sombra 3-2-1 lineups, I'm still going to lean towards the 3-3 being the stronger of the two but I mean, if you have a good Sombra player and they can land four, five, six man EMPs, yeah, you you can win fights easily and you can you can push people around. If you get good at stacking those with uh, the Graviton, you know, rotating them for each fight, you can win a team fight with one alt being EMP and then you can win the next one with the rest of your alts. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very viable. I'm not going to deny that for a second. 
it's just, I don't know. I still have a slight reservation about it because there, I just feel there's too many ways to, to adjust yourself to it. I, I don't know how to really phrase that appropriately, but that's just, uh, that's just how I feel about it right now. I love having Sombra in the meta. I, I love watching people play her. I love that it opens up the ability for more DPS players because realistically, if you're battling a Sombra, you either match it and have an EMP of your own, or you can run a lineup that spaces out a little more, and in which case it makes EMP less effective. So it's it's a very good thing to have her around. I'm not going to deny that at all. So we'll see what happens. I want to see I want to see Vancouver and San Francisco face somebody that that runs uh, Sombra just almost exclusively. Um, Shanghai being one of them that doesn't quite run it exclusively, but you know effectively. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a Soul. There's a and at this point NYXL because I think they've done a, a phenomenal job with adding Sabiobi back into their lineup by swapping out Mecco and saying we're going to go without Diva. Um, and that's what I wanted to add. I kept trying to think of what the other thing I wanted to add. I think a lot of teams were very reluctant to lose the utility of Diva, but they've made a change to Diva, right? They is that patch live for them? I can't remember. Yeah, what I was going to say. Reduced. I was going to say. I think there are some teams that patch is not live, but okay. I think there are teams who are looking at that and going, "That makes a difference." And yeah, that makes it to tougher to eat grab. Yeah. So the the change we're referring to is they're actually taking five meters off of Diva's defense matrix, so it doesn't extend out quite as far, and that is actually a pretty big deal. I mean, if you look at a good chunk of the grabs that have been eaten, you know, they're by Divas, it, they're, a lot of them are pretty long range. I mean, Fury comes to mind as someone who does that really well. Um, you know, from, from you know from downtown, the the grab eat. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, th- I think there are certainly some teams eyeballing that and going, you know what, we need to be prepared for a meta that doesn't focus quite as much on D.Va. Because if you look at the history of the Overwatch League, D.Va has been the critical piece to everything because her yeah. kit just enables her to do to be useful no matter what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, she's got like a 99% play rate, right? Yeah, even if you're not getting... You know, even if you're not getting big bomb kills, it's an absolute zoning ultimate. You can push an entire team out of out of an area that you want. Uh, defense matrix is is so incredibly. I mean, it eats everything. I mean, you know, not just grabs, but you know, Hanzo ults and and just it, the list goes on and on. She's actually a decent tank. She has good mobility. I mean, it's just a good diva player. Just wrecks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. So, I, like I said, that that's what the thing that was running through my head is. I think teams were more or less reluctant to not have diva as part of their roster and now that yeah. they're they're seeing that they can survive without it it makes the sombra pick a little more intriguing to them a little more viable for each each rosters that go around and for some teams it's a necessity looking at you houston thank you for sticking <laughs> with it so you know it's just kind of the way the game's going but it, it's a very good thing i will not deny that at all that's it's been phenomenal to see sombra more than diva and a simple goats lineup all right jay will i'm the quick and you're the dead. Wonderful. Let's go a little long on this one, and let's get into fanning the hammer. We got, is this actually six? One, two, three, four, five, six. We have six shots. We have six, six shots loaded up, and we're going to shoot them at each other, and we're going to see where we go with these. We're going to take about a, a minute on the clock. We got a minute to fan the hammer here. So put it, put it on the clock, sir. I'm going to kick it off. You're going to answer, and then we'll flip it, flop it. Stage two playoff team most likely to miss out on stage three playoffs. Go. Dallas, hands down, not even a question for me. Current leader for league MVP is. Uh, I'm gonna swing a little bit. I'm gonna go with Mono. 
What team has surprised you the most thus far? Has to be Houston. Like, how could it not be? <laughs> what team has disappointed you the most thus far? Easily Boston. They've looked awful. Absolutely terrible. Does the league need more teams to challenge San Francisco, Vancouver, and the New York Excelsior? I'm going to say 100% yes, and it becomes stale when you have the same two or three teams that are consistently winning and ending up in like your semis and your finals. They need some other teams to start beating them in stage play. That way, when the playoffs do come around, it's not actually just a foregone conclusion of what kind of matchups you're going to see when you get to the semis and finals. We need more drama in those early round matches and not from the Hangzhou versus London type matchup. We need that from, is NYXL going to get out of this round? Is San Francisco going to get out of this round? Because these teams could legitimately beat them. Were the third, you said kits, I'm assuming jerseys, fire or trash? Yes, when I say kits, that's uh, what they're referred to. Much like soccer, you get your uniform gets referred to as a kit. They were a dumpster fire. I don't care what anybody tells me. (laughs) 99% of them were bad. The only two I think I was okay with were San Francisco and shout out to Florida because this is about the only thing you've done well all year. Those Miami Vice jerseys are straight fire. <laughs> That's the only one. All right, here we go. Coming back at you. And stage two playoff team most likely to miss out on the stage three playoffs. Hit me. I wanted to be different and say Shanghai, but it's definitely Dallas. I think I they're already out, actually. I think you're right. <laughs> it's a little unfortunate we didn't get to do this in the prior episode because I would have said Dallas then, but is yeah. what it is. Current league leader for MVP is? I don't see how you don't say Super or Sinatra, and I'm going to lean to Super. All right. I can live with that. Main tanks are important. Team that has surprised you the most this far? Is this thus far stage or thus far seasonally? Uh, Stage. We'll go with stage. Yeah, I mean, Houston's the big shock, but I'm... Case could be Paris. made for... I was gonna say, case Paris. could be made for Paris. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take Paris in this one just to be a little bit different. That's fair. We'll see where they go. Team disappointed you the most? Um, Atlanta. I've bet on them a couple of times. Uh, I I really wish they could close out some of these matches. I I feel like they have a talented roster. They're just not closing the deal out. I mean, they're 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 bringing it to these upper echelon teams, but they just can't close it. That's fair. Does the league need more teams to challenge those top three? Absolutely, positively, yes. For all the reasons that you said, but there's just nothing to talk about when you're talking about the top three, top two. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you can, I don't care which one you put it, one, two, or three. It doesn't matter. There's no reason to talk about it. Can't can't argue with you at all there. And were the third kits fire or trash for you? Same thing. Absolute. Toss them in the dumpster. Light it on fire. Walk away. Let the ashes burn. <laughs> uh, I just... Sorry, <laughs> there was, I, and it's funny because there was like a Reddit post not before, the, like not long before these came out, where the, like the guy redid all the jerseys a little bit, and it was well, one guy there was one post where one guy did them as a parody, and those were actually pretty funny and good. And then there was one guy who actually did complete and total good alternates, and I was like, whoa, these are sweet. So there's a lot of like creative room to go, but the league was like, oh, here's all this junk. It was so bad. Okay, Philly, what were you thinking? Like, who approved that design? <laughs> yeah. Like, Boston was like the, the shield with, like, a dripping blue lines. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> it was I, just it, so bad. And, like, four teams did, like, the, the flat black, like, blackout alternate. Yeah. Like, guys, have some originality for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, I wanted I wanted to like Houston's, but all it reminded me of was the old school 
uh, San Diego Padres. Like we are like complete trash throwback uniforms. And I was like, uh, I can't even remotely consider that those, out. Um, like the old school baseball hats that were just like, you know what I'm talking about? It kind of yes. looks like a modern day military hat where like the, the edge it just, it's like a total like cylinder yep. circle that sits on the head. And then, yeah. Uh, Oh man. So hopefully they do better with the next set of alternate jerseys they make. Yeah. But that was I don't know if that was a rush job or not, but it was Trashy. it was bad. It was so bad. They didn't even release them for all the teams. They had like what five teams that didn't have one? Yeah, yeah. Like, come <laughs> on, guys, get your together. Wasted. <laughs> Wasted Opportun- a good opportunity to have some yeah, sweet alternate I mean people to hop on some jerseys. Yeah, and then they tried to charge me a hundred dollars for that? No. Heck no. I wouldn't pay ninety nine cents. All right, well, I know we went a little long on this guy here, but if you liked the content, if you enjoyed what we had to say, then you should certainly follow along on the podcast at Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BreakItDownOWL. And coming up next, we've got a preview into 3-3. (laughs) Not talking goats. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We got a preview into Stage 3, Week 3.